Proverbs chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids and calls them from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello again. Let me, let me pray for us as we get into this. Father, thank you that we have a community um, of people here willing to gather around your word and have uh, listen to what you have to say to us. Um, please do lead us in the, um, in the path of wisdom. And please help us to behold you as we should and have our hearts set right by looking at you in all your glory. Amen. I had a moment recently where Cora, my wife, was giving me some loving um, and firm advice about how to deal a little bit better with one of our children. And um, I, I don't know if you can imagine this situation and what you might be doing as your wife or, or someone that you know gives you some advice that you perhaps don't want to hear. But of course, the first thing I started to do was giving a few excuses and defending myself and... Um, but despite my protests, I knew that um, what she had to say was actually sensible and helpful. And in fact, I had enough sense to say to her at that moment, despite my arguing, I said, I know I'm arguing, arguing with you and making excuses, uh, but I want you to know that I'm taking on board what you're saying. Uh, that is unusually wise for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think all that proves is that God is gracious and that wisdom can be indeed developed, even in a fool. Um, I sent a text to a friend of mine, and I said that I'd be here preaching on Proverbs chapter 9, and my friend, a little while later, sent a text back and said, I wish I had read Proverbs 9 verse 8. Uh, a scoffer who is rebuked will only hate you. The wise, when rebuked, will love you. What a blessing it is to have someone uh, loving enough to rebuke us, uh, what a temptation it is to be a fool who refuses to be corrected in love. And so this whole passage invites us to come and eat at the table of wisdom. And we have a choice. We can be a jerk and a fool who won't accept correction or a mocker. So I'm genuinely grateful for Cora, who let me know that I'm being a jerk. And Lady Wisdom says to us, lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. She spread a table with the choicest fruits of wisdom, and we are welcome to eat. 
Uh, In your life, you will make lots of decisions that lead from one difficulty to another. True? (laughs) And wisdom means doing things like this. Wisdom means identifying the pitfalls of where you put your ultimate trust. Are you setting your foundation on sand or the rock? Uh, Where is your heart set? And is that a solid foundation? Uh, Wisdom means things like immersing yourself in the Word of God regularly so that rather than being a fool who is wise in your own eyes, you bring your mind and your heart before God to hear what he thinks of your grand ideas. Uh, Wisdom will see asking questions about what sort of friendships you're fostering. Um, Whose voices are you choosing to have in your ear? Wisdom is choosing how we respond to adversity and what lessons we're going to be taking as we face difficulty. Are we making excuses about what the decisions we've made or are we being teachable and experiencing some feedback? Uh, um, are we open to honest critique? Lady Wisdom says you're welcome to eat at her banquet. No one needs to remain a fool. You that are simple, turn in here. You without sense... Come and eat my bread and wine. Uh, our back neighbours are good friends of ours. Um, and it's really great because it's pretty easy when they're back neighbours and you can pop over and get, you know, eggs if you've run out of eggs for brekkie or you can grab some butter or milk or anything like that. Uh, we have one of those friendships where they'll, they'll kind of drop over to say hello in the afternoon and soon enough we said, hey, why don't you stay for dinner? And it just sort of goes from there. Uh, but a few years ago we went through a bit of a difficult time Uh, with our neighbours, where things were quite strained. And there was no obvious reason, but we kind of... It was obvious there was a difficulty with our our neighbours. And that that meant that we actually spent a bit of time apart. And then I was reading through Proverbs, and I I have a similar experience to Travis when reading Proverbs. It's kind of like, (laughs) slap in the face. Um, But this is what it said in 25 verse 17. It just went, oh, okay. Um, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbour's house lest he have his fill of you and hate you. <laughs> so, so that's great, isn't it? So we, we just had our fill of each other. Yeah. And a uh, little bit of wise, you know, pulling back, don't spend quite as much time in each other's house, and now we're friends again. And, uh, and, and so that's the response I often have when reading Proverbs. I wish that I had read. <laughs> I wish that I had read. But... I don't know that actually it's always like this. I mean, I think it's probably true that if you do read Proverbs, you're more likely to make wise choices. But to be quite honest, I think that we, we develop wisdom through life as we make mistakes. Um, we often actually need to learn the hard way. Now, here's a modern saying. It's not in the book of Proverbs, but I found it recently. I thought it was very true. The single most effective way to have productive arguments on Twitter or Facebook is by not having arguments on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and so you're all nodding in agreement because, you know, you found the truth of this or you've watched in mild amusement as people yell past each other on social media. Plenty of scoffing on Facebook. Not always much wisdom on Facebook. Uh, yelling and mocking, and it might actually be best to avoid the argument. But then, and the juicy chance to jump in on some argument how hard it is to resist. Lady Wisdom says this, lay aside immaturity and walk in the way of insight. If we're honest, because of our sin, 
and our brokenness, we're better at mocking um, and we're better at pride. We're, we're better at self-deception than we are at self-awareness. We're more inclined to immaturity than to insight. And wisdom is uh, much easier to nod at in agreement than to actually put into practice. Um, and I think wisdom is actually learning how the world works and then doing our best to create a good path through that. But we need to remember that our sin means that Proverbs are not cut and dry promises. We can't approach the book of Proverbs as though if we just were to simply do everything that Proverbs says, that our life would suddenly be just perfect, would go fine. Um, Because it's not always true that if you live a righteous life, you will prosper. Uh, The book of Ecclesiastes says quite often, the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. Um, So it's perhaps mostly true, but it's true that good people get ripped off, lose their riches, suffer, get sick and die. Even if you've tried to make a good choice, your choices can still go wrong because it's a broken world. And the wise know that there is an order put into the world by God and that we can seek after that, but the wise also know that it's a fallen world, distorted by sin and that things don't always work out the way that they ought to. It's not always easy to figure out the best thing. Uh, One of the older guys in our church, if he's ever given a chance to lead the service, uh, he will always use Proverbs. He'll use Proverbs as his call to worship. He'll use Proverbs as... He just always goes to Proverbs. He's a farmer. And I think his faith is just intensely practical. I think Proverbs for him is a bit like opening his Land Rover manual, which he has to do a lot because he's got a Land Rover. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, it's... it's, um, it's just immensely practical and helpful. And if you eat at Macca's all the time, you'll grow fat. Uh, but Lady Wisdom says, come and eat at my table. If you eat at my table all the time, you'll grow wise, and then you'll be able to choose what is best. Now, there's an expression I've heard a bit lately. You might have heard this. You might have said this. The Lord told me. Interesting. Very spiritual. Very spiritual thing to say. The Lord told me. Now, I think what most people say when they say that phrase is that God gave them insight enough to make a particular wise decision, which they figured out over time that was godly and wise. Um, It sounds very spiritual to say, the Lord told me. Now, I don't think it's improbable that that could happen from time to time, where it's very, very clear God speaks, says something, maybe you read the Bible and it just jumps off the page at you and you think, God told me, don't tell me otherwise, God told me. Um, I remember God often tells young men that he's going to marry a particular girl, (laughs) but funnily enough, he doesn't always tell the girl. (laughs) Um, So God told me, oh, right, okay. Hmm. Um, The existence of Proverbs and the whole Bible, um, really, if you think about it, suggests that we are given a brain to use and a heart and a mind to cultivate throughout our life, and that God is with us in the long and slow path of developing wisdom. That's the invitation of Lady Wisdom. Come and eat, and not a hasty meal, not a takeaway meal, um, but actually a banquet. That's going to take plenty of time to absorb. Do you wear daggy T-shirts in Narrabeen, like Christian ones, with like verses on them and stuff? I thought you'd be more discerning. Um, but when I was part of the Evangelical Union um, at Sydney Uni, we were, we were always wearing daggy T-shirts around campus. 
And um, when I was studying at uni, I studied education, and we had this great T-shirt which had a great big apple on the front. And on the back of it was a Bible reference, which was Proverbs 9, verse 10. Now, the embarrassing part about wearing a Bible reference like that on the back is that when someone asks you what the reference is for, and you don't know what to tell them. Um, The Proverbs 9, verse 10 is in our passage today, and it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding. So it's a good one for education students, isn't it? You're about to impart knowledge and wisdom to kids in the classroom. Seems like a good starting point. Uh, except for the ones who can't be bothered looking up the reference. <laughs> so, um, but what does the proverb mean? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding. <laughs> at the missionaries conference we were at, uh, we had Brian Rosner as our speaker. If you've ever heard him, he's a terrific Bible teacher. And uh, he's the principal of Ridley College in Melbourne. Cora thinks I have a man crush on Brian because I think I get a glimmer in my eye and I get excited when, 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 he, when he's coming to speak and I really, I just lap it up. I really find him very helpful. Um, he's, he's actually very approachable and humble sort of a guy, but I actually have a sense that if I was to sort of sit over dinner with him, I would have a sense of trembling in his presence because I respect him so much. I just sort of don't want to, I wouldn't want to say anything that, uh, that would sort of disappoint him or upset him or make him feel that somehow I was a bit of a goose, which is probably true. But um, but there are people that you meet who you admire so much and you respect them so much that when you're in their presence, there's a sense of trembling. Someone that you're in awe of, who you reveal, you revere and you tremble. That's a kind of positive fear, isn't it? Because you're just afraid that you might disappoint or dishonour them. I think that's the fear of the Lord. I think that's what the fear of the Lord is about. That you know him, I mean, let's let's be honest here. He's so huge and enormous. We just know a fraction, <laughs> in a sense. But you know him and you revere him and you want more than anything else to please him and honour him. And you're just overwhelmed in wonder before his greatness. As one author has put it, he is fearfully beautiful like that. He's fearfully beautiful. Uh, he's a consuming fire, the Bible tells us. But he's also the one who became a baby. Isn't that, isn't that magnificent? The more we come to know God in, in, his, in his bigness, in his grace, in his forgiveness, I think the more that we actually have that trembling awe before him, sort of bowing down in amazement at his glory and his beauty. And it says here that fear of the Lord will make you wise. Knowledge of the Holy One will make you have true understanding. Um, and I think that's at a, at a whole bunch of levels. I'm just going to explore three th- things. The first one's a silly one. Um, I heard last week that there's a movement of people putting towels out on the washing line to attract rain. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody knows this, right? If you put your towels out... It will rain. <laughs> now, look, at one level, that is just fun. Uh, we, just, we just know that's a bit of a you know, good old wives' tale. Uh, but taking it to the next level and then inviting people to sort of do this very, I guess, superstitious thing and put their towels out all on the same day to attract rain, that's just stupid. 
And then if you were to credit the recent downpours of rain to the fact that all these people put their towels on the line, that's foolishness. So fear of the Lord at a very simple level just means you don't do dumb stuff like that. Um, In another simple sense, having God at the centre of all makes perfect sense because he's our maker. So what he commands and says about life is never meaningless. Think of example for forg- about forgiveness. Um, if we're made in the image of God, as we're told, um, and God is a forgiver, then we have a directive from God. We must forgive. Now, in the short term, as you know, it can feel good to be angry at someone who's wronged us. But in the long run, if we won't forgive, what will happen? Well, even, even people who don't know the Lord know this, don't they? They know that bitterness and anger will continue to control your life. And quite often physical ill health will be part of the picture. You'll actually be so stressed that you'll actually be sick because you're actually going against the grain of a universe created by God who is a forgiver. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because he actually just knows what's best for us. But more than anything else, I think we need to know that how about how the fear um, about how fear, the wrong type of fear, regarding the wrong things as holy, holy just means set apart as as, as something that we revere, that actually lies at the centre of our sin. Because um, just some examples, my fear of not having enough can mean that I'm not generous, and um, even perhaps at sort of the worst end of the scale, cause me to steal or to cheat a bit on my tax return. My fear of being alone might cause me to date someone who I actually know in my heart is not wise to date. Uh, my fear of not getting a certain job may cause me to lie on my resume. You see how quite often fear is so connected to the sins that we're tempted to? Um, fear might be what actually causes us to keep our lips shut when we should speak um, about injustice, perhaps in our workplace. We might fear reprisal. Even though we know that we should speak up for our colleague, we zip our lips. The fear of man is what causes us to do stupid and sinful things to impress our friends. Because maybe we fear simple just stuff like not fitting in. And that is being a fool or a simpleton, because you have the wrong fear, according to the Bible. It's insecurity. If you care about what the Lord thinks, if you care about what the Holy One, the Almighty thinks, you can see straight away how that can make you wise. I'll give you an example. Most of us here are pretty good with words. Uh, we can sit down and have a very good conversation with our friends. Some people talk about sports, some people talk about the weather, um, Netflix, our family and our friends and our kids and all that sort of stuff. We, we discuss these things with great eloquence. We actually have no trouble with our words in these circumstances where we're talking about these things, um, our favourite team and so on. But we do have this problem when discussing our faith. What is the problem? It's fear. It is fear. Um, uh, the Apostle Peter says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have in the Lord Jesus. And we sort of say things like, well, I'm not sure that we can. I can manage those words. I don't think I'm clever enough to speak those words. Or um, Even though words aren't actually normally a problem for us. We're always speaking about what is holy to us, things that delight us and fill our hearts. So some of you have set apart the glory of your sports team in your heart. 
the unsearchable riches of your team are shared with anyone and everyone who will listen. Um, Some of you have a hobby that you delight in. The glory of and the joy of the hobby overflow to anyone who has an ear to listen. I'm, I'm like that with fishing, hunting, you know, I'll just talk all day about those things with great joy. The passion flows out of me for those things. Peter says in the same passage, in your hearts honour Christ as holy. In your hearts honour Christ as holy. I think it's just another way of saying fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding because what grips the heart wags the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We speak about what we are full of. Our life overflows out of what is of first importance to us. We're always speaking about what is holy to us. Something is important, set apart, consecrated, of first importance. It will overflow into our life and into our conversations. Fill your heart with Christ the Lord. Isaiah says, uh, similar sort of vein, he says, Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honour as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. The fear of the Lord is a liberating fear. Fear that frees you from other fears that tend to control you. When some of the religious leaders saw Jesus, now we're talking about the religious leaders, they saw Jesus and they believed in him, but they didn't have the guts to say so to the Pharisees because they were worried what reprisal they might face. And this is what uh, the verses say. I've just got four translations just to put it four times. For they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. They love glory from men rather than glory from God. They love men's praise more than God's praise. Um, How do you fight fear of all these other things? Fear is fought with a greater fear. If the words about the glory of Jesus aren't coming out on our lips... Well, I think Lady Wisdom would say that the best place to start is the fear of the Lord, knowledge of the Holy One. Go back to the glory of Christ, a treasure that is greater than all the other things we tend to treasure, and then we will speak. 1 Corinthians 5.11, Paul says it in the same way. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. That's what it's like, isn't it? Oh, come and come and go fishing with me because it's just so fantastic out on the boat and we're going to catch coral trout and all this stuff. Hey, we're just so excited about that, aren't we? But if we're so excited about the Lord, we want to persuade them as well to come and come and encounter Jesus, to treasure him. And the main way to become wise is to set our hearts on him and anyone can do that, regardless of st- status or wealth or, wi- or, or knowledge or whatever. So I've flogged a bit of a Charles Spurgeon sermon to finish my sermon, which you might be grateful to hear. Um, It shows how the simple and the wise, oh, sorry, the simple and those without sense can have the greatest wisdom of all. There was once a poor man in a small country town who had not all the sense people usually have, but he had enough sense to be a great drunkard and a swearer. As God would have it, he once listened to a poor woman who was singing... I'm a poor sinner and nothing at all, 
but Jesus Christ is my all in all. Home he went, repeating the words. He put his trust in a crucified saviour and was really converted. Well, he soon came to the church and although he was a peddler and always travelling about, he said, I want to join your church. They remembered his sinful way of life and required some great evidence of, of a change before they received him. Oh, he said, I must come in. But you've been such a great sinner and you are unconverted, added the elders. Well, said poor Jack, I don't know if I'm unconverted and I confess I am a great sinner, but I'm a poor sinner. Nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all. They could not get from him any other testimony save this. He would only say, I'm a poor sinner and nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all. They could not refuse him and therefore accepted him for fellowship. I think if you are going to be reading Proverbs, I hope you do, it will remind you quite often, I'm a poor sinner. Um, It will probably highlight your mistakes and bad choices. Um, Proverbs invites you to do your best, to seek after wisdom, to work out the best way to live in life and to go for that. Proverbs invites us, actually, at the start here, as, as Lady Wisdom says, the beginning of wisdom, that the beginning of wisdom is a proper relationship with God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding. This is the wisdom that says, I'm a poor sinner, nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all, and delights and treasures in that above all. Let's pray these words from Psalm 86, which I think expresses this um, very well. Lord, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Lord, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Amen.